0: Morning everyone. Beautiful day. I hope you're well. Thank you for coming today. Very excited about today's message. We're going to talk about prayer. Now this isn't a popular subject, but it is one that you can anticipate hearing in a church, Christian church, because prayer is such a vitally important practice for us as we connect with God. And so I hope we can learn a bit about prayer today. We're going to use our text from 1 Chronicles today. 1 Chronicles chapter 4. You should start turning there now because most of you don't know where that is in your Bible, so it'll take you a little longer. First Chronicles chapter 4, and there's an interesting prayer in verses 9 and 10. It's the prayer prayed by a guy named Jabez, Jabez, Jabez. And Jabez was a, uh, was a guy we only know uh, because of these two verses in the Bible. But we have much we can learn about the power of prayer uh, through this prayer that he prayed. So if you uh, have your Bibles, turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 4, and I'm going to read these two verses, 9 and 10. As you're able, would you please stand to hear this important prayer? Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, O oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. He said, yes. He said, okay, you have what you ask for. It's a pretty good deal. So may God inspire us today through this important prayer. You may be seated. Thanks so much. Now, his life story, as I mentioned, takes place in these two verses. And if you read fast, you might pass over and miss him completely. Jabez is actually a name... Uh, in the Hebrew, that sounds like pain. It is it is translated pain. But from his example, we discover how to unleash the power of prayer in our lives. Now, you'll see in your outline, there's about four things I want to say about this. The first couple are related to prayer in general, just to remind us of the importance of prayer. And the first thing I want to say is that we should pray. When we do, we should pray privately. Pray privately. Solitude is the beginning place of powerful prayer. And if you're going to have a sustained ongoing lifestyle of prayer, and I hope that you do or you will, that privacy is an important component of that. Prayer generally is not for public display. It's not religious theatrics. It's not a spectator sport. It is rather intimacy with God. It's face-to-face, friend-to-friend with God. And that kind of intimacy requires privacy. Now, for me... The private place of prayer is in my car or in my favorite chair at home or on my bike or in my canoe. These are places that I find that it's quiet enough and private enough that I can do some business with God in prayer. So pray privately. Here's the second thing. It's on your outline, and that is pray consistently. Pray consistently. You wonder why Jabez even made it into the Bible, right? you you wonder how the chronicle ac, chronicler actually names him in these two verses and it could be because he had a reputation most of us are known by the things that we do the most so for example some of you are known as educators others as business persons or athletes or musicians or maybe you're a mother and that's your primary and so you're known for those things it could be that jabez was actually known as a man of prayer and so he gets mentioned in that context, that's perhaps why Paul said in 1 Thessalonians five seventeen that we should pray without ceasing. That's a lot of praying, right? Praying without ceasing. But this is a reminder from the apostle Paul that he devoted his life to prayer, and it matters. My favorite illustration of a person who embodied a lifestyle of prayer was a fellow from the eighteenth century called George Mueller. Mueller was born in Germany. And by the age of 21, he was a devout atheist. He did not believe that God even existed. But when Jesus found George Mueller, Mueller went all in for God. And he was seriously all in. His life's work ended up in Bristol, England, where he started an orphanage. And the stories of God's provision to George Mueller and these children, these orphans, is astonishing. Now, that one interesting demarcation of George Mueller's life, in spite of the fact that he, he had at one point up to 2,100 orphaned children in his care, and over the years had enormous uh, influence uh, in people's lives, uh, educated 123,000 students in his time, uh, supported 189 missionaries around the world, had hundreds of employees, It was an incredible story of God's provision. Now here's the caveat that I want you to hear about George Mueller. George Mueller never asked a single person for help. Never presented his needs to anyone. Didn't send out a bulk mailing, didn't go door to door, didn't hire a development officer to go solicit funds for his orphanage. None of that. All Mueller did, I say all, all he did was simply to ask God to provide. He would say, Lord, this is what I need to do the work you've called me to. And Mueller kept a diligent diary of answers to prayer. And there are thousands of these. I encourage you, I challenge you to Google George Mueller, and then you'll see all the books that have been written about his life, and in particular reference to the answers to prayer. It is astonishing. If you you read that, you will be amazed at the moments and the frequency of God's supernatural provision to George Mueller because of his prayer. And so we find that the distinctive of his life was prayer, and the effect, the result of his life was power. Now let me put this uh, statement on the screen for you in case you don't know this. This is a truism, and it's important to know. God's power flows primarily to people who pray. How many of you believe that? Oh, you do. Does your prayer life reflect that truth? God's power flows primarily to people who pray. See, when we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. And that's better. That's much better. An English archbishop once observed, it's amazing how many coincidences occur when one begins to pray. It's true, right? Now, here's the third thing I want you to know. So far, I haven't told you anything you don't know, right? You should pray privately. You should pray consistently. Here's the third thing. Pray specifically. Pray specifically. Now, this is something we can learn from Jabez. In his prayer, he prays some specific things. For example, first, he prayed to be blessed. He prayed to be blessed. Now, a blessing or God's favor, God's God's presence in your life, this, this indicates that something or someone is going to go further, achieve more, develop more dramatically because of God's touch on it than it would naturally. So the blessing of God, the favor of God, that's the, the wind of God in your sails. That's the provision of God in your life. It's the, it's the attitude and the energy and the opportunities and the, and the doors opening so that you can find God and, and, and live out his will in your life. You have his blessing. You have his favor. Now, if I were to ask you today, how many of you want God's blessing compared to how many of you don't care if you have God's blessing or not? Well, everyone said, well, count me in. I want to be blessed. And so Jabez prayed this way. Now, you should know that there have been people who have, who have pushed back against Jabez's prayer. They think it's too selfish. They think it's too self-centered because he's blessed me and expand my territory, keep me from evil. It's all about me, 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 and my. And so there are some people who are just too pious to actually appreciate this prayer. And I, you know, and I get it. Okay, okay. But here's, here's where the argument stops for me. It's in the Bible. <laughs> and not only is it in the Bible... But the Bible actually reports that when God heard Jabez's prayer, he said, okay. And he, he granted his request. And so there must be something to this. Jabez prayed to be blessed, to be blessed, to be favored, to be, in, to be encouraged. I, I love Jabez's uh, uh, his urgency. I love his vulnerability in this prayer. I mean... You could interpret that he's all full of himself and he just wants more for himself, but I, I think he's being tender before God. And so he says, please, Lord, bless me. Um, you know, it's interesting that in Bible times that a, a person's name meant a lot. There's a lot in a name. In fact, in, back in the day, if you took away a person's name, it was almost like taking away their life. There are examples of this where, where actually people were named and their life kind of fulfilled the definition of the handle that their parents had given them. For example, Jacob uh, means grabber. Uh, Some of you remember that Jacob was a twin. He was the second born. The first born, his twin brother Esau was born first. And as Jacob is being born, the midwife report that Jacob grabbed the ankle of his brother on the way out. (laughs) And so they said, well, look at that boy. He's a grabber. And so they named him Jacob, which means grabber. And it's really a good one-word biography for this guy because for his whole life, he's always grabbing for stuff that didn't belong to him. And so he fulfilled the definition of his name. Another example, this is Naomi. Naomi and her husband named their two sons Malon and Chilion. The interpretation of Malon and Chilion is puny and pining. Puny and pining. And that's what those boys were. And they, they both died in early adulthood. Didn't amount to much. Solomon, you may realize, means peace. And sure enough, he's the first king of Israel who never went to war. Isn't that fascinating? Just really interesting. So in, in, in Jabez's case, his name means pain or one who causes pain. <laughs> what kind of a handle is that to give your kid, right? Can you see him first day of first grade during the, during the introductions and the attendance. can you hear the teacher calling out names? Charity, are you here? Here. Hope. Present. Laughter. <laughs> here. Pain. Here. Teacher goes, what was your mother thinking? He said, I don't know. Named him pain. That's a, that's a tough thing to overcome. So Jabez, now he's overcoming his name. And he prays for a radical abundance of God's favor in his life. He's praying big prayer. Help me, God. And this, this isn't as selfish as you might think, because if you're a follower of Jesus, you actually understand this basic principle, that the reason God blesses you, primarily blesses you, the reason that you are blessed, the primary reason that God has blessed you is so that you can be a blessing. So if I pray to be blessed... I, I'm not thinking just of myself, I'm thinking about the people around me. I'm thinking about my spouse, I'm thinking about my children, I'm thinking about their children's children, I'm thinking about my friends, I'm thinking about my associations, I'm thinking about people in the church, I'm thinking about the, the sphere of my influence. If my life is blessed just as your life is blessed, it has a ripple effect of blessing and favor to the people around us. Being blessed is a good thing. Being being blessed of God is something that we should all pray for because I want to just remind you that God's nature is to bless. It's his tendency to bless. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless me. It's his move. It's his MO. It's his character. It's his tendency. It's it's what he wants. He wants to give his favor to you. And so it's good to pray, Lord, bless me. So So if God is with you, indeed your life can be blessed. Here's the second thing specifically that Jabez prayed for. He said, and enlarge my territory. Enlarge my territory. Now, what he's, what he's describing here is the limit of his influence. He said, God, I want you to expand the, the borders of my influence. This was a, a prayer for greater influence and, and heightened opportunity. Have you ever prayed this prayer? God, open, open up a, a door of opportunity, of influence, Open up the market. Open up the, open up the, the borders of, of the people that I currently influence. It's a very great prayer. I love the prayer from Dawson Trotman. Dawson was the founder of a parachurch ministry called the Navigators, a ministry to students. And he uh, prayed, it brings no honor to God to ask for peanuts when he wants to give us continents it's an interesting contrast isn't it he said why bother praying little puny prayers for small things when God wants to give us bigger things bigger things so pray that way I love uh, Philip Brooks who wrote pray the largest prayers listen to this pray the largest prayers you cannot think a prayer so large that God in answering it will not wish you had made it larger Have you ever thought about it that way? Have you ever hesitated to say, well, God, give me this big thing. Oh, that's just too big. Yeah, that's too much. That's, too, that's presumptuous. I shouldn't pray that big of a prayer. Well, what are you going to do? Like turn God off by praying a big prayer? I mean, if you're God and someone comes up with a big prayer, God, give me, give me, a, give me a bigger thing. God says, well, I don't know about this. It's kind of overwhelming for me. I'm not sure I can manage that. Whew, never imagined doing something that big. (laughs) God's not intimidated by the bigness of your prayers. God is fully capable of answering big prayers. I want to encourage you with that. What kind of big prayers have you been praying? Have you ever prayed a prayer something like this? God, do a certain thing so that when it happens, everybody will know you did it because it wouldn't be possible otherwise. It's a good kind of praying, isn't it? Years ago, I was many years ago. Um, Union Chapel was a little small cornfield church, and we were connected with a second church, and together they could afford to pay me as the pastor. And so my ideal was, maybe we could get Union Chapel to stand alone so that they could afford my salary all by themselves. And one of the former pastors of the church many years ago walked up to me at a certain meeting, and he looked at me, and I was a young guy, and he was much older, and so in a kind of a condescending tone, he said, "Now, Greg, I understand that you've." been pushing to get Union Chapel to try to pay your salary full-time, and then he said, and I quote, Union Chapel will never be able to support a pastor all by itself. <laughs> this is a, come on, man. Come on, man. What is the matter with you? And then there was a there was a moment when we were trying to find a bigger place to meet in because the church was growing, and so we I thought I heard God say, well, take the worship services to Delta High School. We'll meet at Delta High School. And I went to the high school principal, and he said to me, and I quote, your church will never meet in my high school. Never. (laughs) I just thought, you haven't heard God, have you? You're not paying attention. Of course, we met in the high school for almost five years. I can tell you that story later. When we were building this campus and before this building was even in, in the works, in our imagination, we were building the sanctuary. You know, that our, our primary building used to be a car lot. And so the, the sanctuary is a former showroom uh, for a car lot. And so we were renovating that to make it into our sanctuary. And I was standing in there one day. And a prominent Christian businessman from the community, people knew him and knew him as a Christian man, a good man. He wasn't part of our church, but, but he was interested in what we were doing. So I was in the sanctuary. It was under construction, lots of construction, debris and everything around. And he walked up to me, and it was just the two of us in the room. And he looked at me, and he shook his head just like this. And he, and he said, uh, I don't know what you're thinking, but he said, you'll never fill this room. You'll never have enough people in this church to fill this room. That's hilarious! Come on, man! Come on! What is the matter with you? Seriously, I, I've had I've had pastors, district superintendents, bishops, who have who have looked at me and said, "No, you can't do that. No, that's not a good idea. No, you shouldn't try that. No, that's not going to work." <laughs> just time and time again, there are always going to be naysayers and people who just can't allow themselves to pray big prayers and believe God for bigger things. There are always going to be people like that in your life, always going to have, have voices in your ear telling you what can't be done. I had, a, I had a district superintendent look me in the eye one day, and he said, look, I've been here several years now. And he said, Muncie, Indiana, the city of Muncie, has never had a local church that has had 1,000 people in worship on a regular basis, an average worship attendance of over 1,000 people on a sustained basis. The city, it's never happened in the history of the city. And it hasn't ever happened except once. And Union Chapel's worshipped over a thousand people on a sustained basis for over 25 years. So I don't. Come on, man. Come on. And now it's 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 happening again. You know, we've we've started this REACH campaign, we want to pay down the mortgage, we want to renovate some of our facilities and by the way the prayer room you have to go see the prayer room it is so nice and and so warm and so welcoming and you just have to go look at it and get a feel for it and you'll want to go there and pray it's going to be a beautiful place to connect with god and pray big prayers and see god do great things and reach campaign monies have helped renovate the prayer room and others have volunteered their time and expertise has been so so great and so, as you know, a third component of our REACH campaign is we want to plant churches because there aren't enough life-giving churches in the United States. The United States needs a move of God. We need revival. We need a fresh influx in, in, in and in pouring of the Holy Spirit, of God's presence in our nation. We need a touch of God, and perhaps the best way to see that happen is to plant new churches and life-giving fellowships of believers here and there around the country where there's hope and there's light. And, and it's the most strategic thing you can be doing right now. And many churches are catching this vision and, and doing great work with this. And so we've, we've heard God say the same thing to us. So our goal is to plant 10 new churches in the next 10 years. And Ryan Miller is one of those guys that's going to plant one for us. We just met him last week, and it's all great, and it's all good, and it's exciting to be part of what God is doing but I have gotten the same kind of pushback with this as I've gotten at other stages along the way. And people either implicitly or explicitly get in my face and say, What do you want to plant churches? What is the idea? I mean, and 10 in 10 years, I mean, we're not, we can't plant 10 churches in 10 years. And maybe they're right. Let me just say the reason, I, the reason we said 10 in 10 years is because it's just easy to remember. But maybe that's not what God has in mind at all. Maybe God has in mind that we plant 20 churches in the next 10 years. And maybe maybe if we really let our mind kind of go and our imagination run and pray bigger prayers, maybe what God has in mind is that we're supposed to plant 5 or 10 or 15 churches in the next 10 years, and those churches are going to plant other churches, and those churches will plant other churches. And it could be that in the next 10 years, God doesn't want us to plant Plant 10 churches, maybe he wants us to plant 20 churches or 30 churches or 50 churches. And it could be that in, within 20 years, we could plant 500 churches. Now, let me just use some hyperbole. Some of you have been in the life of this church for many years. Is it possible? Could you pray a prayer like this? God, in the next 10 years, we pray that the fruit produced, the kingdom fruit, in transformed lives for the sake of Jesus Christ here and there around the world, that in the next 10 years, that there will be more fruit produced through the life of our church than has been produced in all the years leading up to this. C- can, can you pray that prayer with me? Because that's a prayer I've been praying. Praying a big prayer. Expand our territory, Lord. Expand our territory in a big way. I can see you're thinking about that. So here's a little formula for you in case this is a bit overwhelming. Here's a simple formula. It's very simple. One is pray big, number two, start small, number three, get busy. Pray big, start small, get busy. Now you can apply that You can apply that formula to whatever life circumstance you find yourself in. Pray big. Pray big prayers. Think God is big. Push him right out of the box that you've put him in and make God bigger than you've ever imagined. Then start small because that, that recognizes our humanness. I mean, we're just humans. We can only do so much. So we'll do what we can do and then we'll trust God to do what we can't do. And then get busy. Put your hands on something and start taking steps on the way to to fulfilling that particular vision God's given you. Do something and make preparation and take first steps. Don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise small things. Start small, get busy, pray big, and you'll begin to see God at work, and God will touch your life and use your life. Here's the third thing specifically Jabez prayed. He prayed to be blessed. That his territory would be enlarged. And thirdly, he said, let your hand be with me. And this is very cool. Let your hand be with me. When you look up the phrase, the hand of the Lord, you can find this phrase used throughout the Bible. And it's often an expression of God's, God's expression of power and influence uh, on people's lives and through people's lives. Let your hand be with me. So he's praying for more power. Notice, notice this progression. Bless me. Expand my territory, gonna need more power. Put your blessing on my life, expand my influence, gonna need more power. Gonna need more of your presence. It's a good thing, isn't it? Last week we heard Ryan Miller talk about the Great Commission. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus' final last words, he tells the disciples, Go into all the world, make disciples of all the nations and I'll be with you all the way. It's a wonderful promise, isn't it? I'll be with you all the way. But here's the, here's the impossible challenge, the in, incredible challenge. He said, go into all the world. I mean, can you see those guys standing there? I mean, look, look they, they're just standing there. They got some kind of dirty robe and some sandals on. They're just standing there. A couple of them have a stick. Jesus said, go into all the world preach the gospel. A couple of them are thinking, if I start walking right now, I'll be dead before I get to the, to the whole world. What is he talking about? The whole world. If he had just said, go into this 30-mile radius, then you go, okay, we got a shot at that. We got a shot at that. Going to the whole world? Are you kidding me? Come on, man. What is he talking about? How in the world? It's impossible. It was just, it's impossible. We can't. It's impossible. We can't do it. It's just not, it just won't happen. <laughs> but then he said something very important to them. He said, now, now, here's an important thing to remember. I want you to go back to Jerusalem, go back into town, and wait. Wait for the promise of the Father which the Father promised to you. And that not many days from now, you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You'll receive the power of my presence. That'll be the difference. My hand will be with you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to expand your territory, and I'm going to give you the power to do it. Now, can you pray this way? This is the prayer of Jabez. And then the last thing he prayed specifically was, oh, that you would keep me from evil. And we live in an evil world, don't we? And so he's simply praying for protection. And indeed, we want to be under God's protection. Matthew 6, 13, from the Lord's Prayer, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so we hear that prayer. So the characteristics of Jabez's life is he he prayed, and the characteristic of his prayer is that it was specific. Now, the last point, it's on your outline, and that is pray expectantly. Pray expectantly. Expect God to do, th- do something. The Bible says, and God granted his request. <laughs> now just let your imagination run for a second. What if you're praying a great big prayer? You got a big prayer that you're believing God for. I mean, it's big. It's a big deal. It's a big prayer. What if God says, okay, yes, yes, I'll grant that request? I say yes to that prayer. How cool is that? That's pretty great. So two things about that. God does hear your prayer and God does answer your prayer. And the last little caveat, and, and you should hear this, be careful what you pray. Because God could say yes. And then you're, in, then you're in, into something. Well, I didn't know that expanding my territory meant this kind of self, personal sacrifice, this, this kind of stress on my life, <laughs> well, that, that's what you prayed for. That's what you wanted. So now you have it. So just, just keep your eyes open, keep your mind clear when you pray because God's listening to your prayer. He may say yes. God, I just want to have one more baby. So you just want to think that through before you start praying it. <laughs> Stuff like that. That's, that's, the, that's the idea. But pray expectantly. Faith is essential to effective, powerful prayer. Faith is not believing that God merely can, but faith is actually believing that he will. And so you hang on to that. Listen to Matthew 21, And everything you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Mark 9, 23, all things are possible to him who believes. Mark 11:24 24, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they shall be granted to you. Mark eleven twenty three. 23, faith is not, uh, it comes not by looking at the enemy or your problems, but faith comes by looking at God, how big he is. Samuel Chadwick said it this way, though a man shall have all knowledge about prayer, though he shall understand all the mysteries about prayer, unless he prays, he will never learn to pray. There are people in the room today, listen to me, you don't pray. You don't pray much at all. You know who you are. It's hard for some certain people to pray. It's hard for certain personality types to pray. It's generally more difficult for men to pray because we tend to be more self-reliant. And so prayer becomes a unique challenge for us. So there are people in the room, and I understand you don't pray. Very rarely do you pray, just when you're in trouble. But let me encourage you today. Can I inspire you? Start to pray. Start to pray. And there are those in the room you pray a little bit. Could I encourage you? Pray more. Pray more. And there are those in the room, listen, you are, you are filled with a spirit of prayer. You've, you've been gifted by God to pray. You're an intercessor. And when you hear the Apostle Paul say, pray without ceasing, you go, yeah, that's, that's my life. And that's what I do. That's you. Here's my encouragement to you. Pray bigger prayers. Pray bigger prayers. Big God, pray big prayers. Release your faith, you intercessors. You intercessors. You have your pastor's permission. If, if God catches you and says, what are you talking about? You say, oh, my pastor told me to. Just blame me. Pray bigger prayers, okay? God wants to hear us. So let's pause and pray. Lord, we thank you today for your word, which lamps our feet and lights our way. Meet each one of us at the point of our own journey. Help us to take the next step in our relationship with you. Lord, teach us to pray. And as we do, Lord, we know that you will hear us and respond to our prayer. Lord, we confess our sin of prayerlessness. You are always more ready to hear our prayers than we are to pray them. So help us, God, by your grace, I pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen. Would you stand with us now as we sing?